Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I don't think Leon Bailey could have played worse when he came on there. It was like, he was just lost. He was at sea. He was like a child fucking turning on to the spaghetti junction on a tricycle. <laughs> Nobody knows how you got there. He doesn't know how to get off it. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. How many times does Paul McGrath have to tweet this every single weekend? It's simple. <laughs> we talked about it last week. Football is easy. Football is simple. And Paul McGrath... Every single match day goes out of his way to reiterate that point to these losers, these Aston Villa players. It finishes with the same three hashtags. He, he, he tweets out his message of support. Go get the business done, lads. I'm going to be watching. It would warm your heart like just to think of Paul McGrath there just putting on his village jersey, sitting down to watch the boys before what unfolds, and then like you wish he, he didn't have to have any part of this. But he <laughs> signs them all off with three... Very simple hashtags. Relax. Enjoy. <laughs> result. Who can relax? Enjoy the game. Get your result, and we can all carry on with our lives because right now this is this is just not possible. I tweeted out saying, "Is anybody even going to bloody listen to this?" And if you are listening, well done. You're one of the few who wants to put yourself through this disaster once more. I, I don't know. Honestly, like no, I'm not going to try and discourage you from listening to the rest of this podcast. But <laughs> I would not be going to find Aston Villa content after this. Like it's just what it's just a void of of destruction. Like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want any part of it. The same way I don't want Paul McGrath having to be exposed to Aston Villa. I don't want you. I don't want you to have to put yourself through another hour of talking about Aston Villa nil, Watford one. You know, maybe we were looking for consistency, and now we have it. We follow it up. The worst performance of all time with one of the worst results that I can remember in living history. Like, this is just Aston Villa now. And once again, Liam, I'm starting a podcast by throwing it over to you with these words. I can't believe I'm tired of saying this sentence. It is not good. <laughs> 
Yeah, you sounded like you cared more about the listeners there than you do about your fucking brother because you still rang me. <laughs> but anybody who is listening, yeah, they're fucking martyrs, and I suppose that makes us fucking morons for doing this as well. <laughs> I was watching that first half thinking we couldn't have been playing any worse. But of course, all you have to do is remember the previous game and a half, the shit show against Newcastle, the collapse against Leeds. I mean, we are so fucking insipid. Like, it'd be easier to stay awake at a midnight accountancy conference given by Ben Steen. <laughs> fucking pop a Valium and strap in for two hours of auditing and assurance. Like, players holding onto the ball, rolling it around pointlessly so they can find the space to fucking kick it out of play or have a wild shot. Or swing across out to the fucking corner flag. And nobody comes out of this looking well. Like wall-to-wall bastards. We did a handful of things. But it was slightly... Everything was slightly off. I mean, the pass was overhit. The touch was heavy. The shot was wild. And the manager got nothing from them. No reaction from the Newcastle game. And worse than that, we got worse in the second half. Yeah, We were shite for 45 minutes against Watford. And we got into the changing room. And came out with less ideas, less fight. And what the fuck was he saying to them? It's not all his fault. Obviously, this is a bunch of players that regularly look lost and confused. I I can just imagine, I can picture it so clearly, the blank expressions on their faces when he's laying out the most basic, basic of instructions. I mean, for some of these lads... Gerard might as well be explaining differential calculus to a fucking Victoria sponge cake. It's a waste of time. <laughs> but the reality for Stephen Gerrard is that Watford had all the chances. They were the better team. Like, what for the sort of a fucking sentence is that? Roy Hodgson's Watford yeah. deserved to win at Villa Park. Emmy Martinez was our best player at home to Roy Hodgson's relegation fodder. Yeah, another struggling team roll up to just take Aston Villa's pants down. Like, it doesn't matter how beaten down these teams are. It doesn't matter if Roy Hodgson is their manager. Like, they, there are points here to be had. There there are avenues. There, there are big streams of pathways just through Aston Villa. Just walk right over us. Like, that's we're all going to lie down if you apply any bit of pressure. Our manager, Stephen Gerrard, after the Newcastle match, came out unhappy he said we need drastic improvement hard to put your finger on any positives after that i believe there will be changes to the team that's only normal after the level of performance there so everyone in the squad needs to be ready steven gerrard seemingly only thought the problem with newcastle was ollie watkins and i don't know finishing because he come out with the exact same team changed his striker probably ollie watkins wasn't good but given how passive and how bad, how dire that Newcastle game was. Ollie Watkins is probably the least of the worries because he was never going to score. We talked about him being in 60 yards of space. Actually, I wasn't happy with Ollie Watkins, but he's probably one of the least to blame for the shit show that happened up in the Northeast. And Gerard prescribed our only problem with being him. Throw Danny Ings in there, even though he got fucking more minutes against Newcastle to do absolutely nothing with again. Throw Danny Ings in there. That'll solve everything. Put Douglas Louise number six. Keep keep everything else the same. It was all good. We just need a different striker. And like you say, it didn't change anything. And why is any of us surprised? Yeah, like what like what a statement. Like that really showed McGinn, Dougie, and Cash 
Like, you know, how shit they were at Newcastle and he just picks them again. Like, Leon Bailey was brought on again. Does Stephen Gerrard think we played atrociously against Newcastle or not? Like, yeah, some people are saying, oh, you can't just make wholesale changes. It's the Premier League. Can we not? Yeah. Like, you couldn't possibly drop any of those lads who have now been battered by Leeds, Newcastle and Watford. Do me a fucking favour. Yeah, battered by Brentford as well. Just before that, like it's 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 non-stop, and this is the message now. Like we thought, we talked about the standards being raised when Gerard came in, but this is the message now. Go out and do that. Do what you <laughs> did against Newcastle. Like, and it's going to be fine. You're all going to play again. We'll we'll we'll, we'll tinker with the striker because we have two. You're pretty similar, you know. But the rest of you just just keep throwing in those performances do it again against Watford sure what can you do it's the Premier League this is the standard and look we came out and I actually thought okay like you know let's see I wasn't happy but I thought maybe yeah maybe the rest of them will have a I kept talking about have a rocket up their backsides you know maybe they will and the first 22 passes in that game against Watford Tyrone Mings was responsible for nine of them not his fault <laughs> Not his fault at all. The ball just kept coming back to him. And obviously the message was, do not lump it like he did against Watford. So he just kept pinging it around. It was Ings, Mings, Dinya, Mings, Chambers, Mings, Dinya, Mings. And this was the start of the game after the Newcastle match. And the crowd were on them. They were frustrated. They wanted them to fucking get up the pitch. And they just wouldn't do it. Yeah, and this is the thing that some people often get wrong. Don't lump it. No more kicking the ball. And they just wait. You don't have to fucking roll it around for that either. You can pass the ball through fucking Watford. This is a joke. What the fuck were we doing? It was an absolute shambles. And this really, really does fall back in Stephen Gerrard. It fell back in Stephen Gerrard whenever Mings was lumping it over the top. And it obviously falls back in him as well whenever Tyrone Mings is the only player that can get on the fucking ball. Yeah. We'll get into some uh, more tactical discussions later in the podcast and the awards category, to be precise. But uh, yeah, just just on that, finally, uh, and uh, we, we've obviously already touched on this, but it couldn't be easier. Like if you're a defender in that team, if you're God love me for even making the example, if you're Douglas Louise in that team, like looking up and you've got McGinn, Ramsey, Buendia, and Coutinho ahead of you in tight pockets in the center as well. They're not. You don't have to look to find them. They're all just right there in front of you. Pass the ball forward to them. They are the, like, some of the best people that I could imagine that you want to pass the ball with anybody up their arses. Like, they'll take it. They'll touch it. They'll hold somebody off and they'll turn on it. I do not know what this fear is of Aston Villas to use those players who are fucking good or supposed to be good. Yeah, we said this last week as well. It is exactly the thing we said last week. Obviously, Stephen Gerrard hasn't fucking said it yet, though. Play the ball into your midfielders, take a touch and play it to another one until the space fucking opens up and then play it through to your supposed killer centre forward. What the fuck are we doing? Anyway, let's talk about a couple of incidents. Um, There was a VAR check at the very start. Uh, I've sort of softened on VAR now, mostly given what happened with the rest of the performance. Once again, I'm asking, did Villa even deserve it? Ings looked like he was fouled. Like the very first two attacks, Ings looked a bit more direct. He was getting the ball out of his feet and facing the right way, at least. And uh, <laughs> he runs towards the goals. It's a pass from Buendia. No penalty. Thought it was a bit harsh. It looked like he was just barged in. You know, maybe it's a free kick further out. Looks like in the replay that 
he did get the ball underneath his legs and knock it out for a corner. I don't know if we should be up in arms too much about it. Ah, definitely not. I mean, like you say, he gets the ball out of his feet, but like Jesus, get your ball out of feet quicker there and have a shot, and don't worry about the Watford player who's up your arse. And yeah, maybe it's not ideal from a defender to be going through somebody's back to get the ball in the box. But Ings is late. Like Ings was waddling around there, like he had piles. There was loads of room in between his legs for the guy to just poke the ball away. It was never a foul, never a penalty. And the only goal of the game, uh, the goal that cost us yet another loss, came with the ball being shifted to the right-hand side and then Luca Dinya waddles his way out. Good uh, good verb to use there. And then Dinya is basically sort of just asking the question, oh, do you want to have a look here to see what's happened in the box? Take your time. Like, take your time. Have a look. Make sure it's the right choice for you before you cross this. I'll wait. I'll just stand back, let you pick your cross. Ashley Young is done by a simple run across him. Like, what? What else is Ashley Young expecting or waiting on? I I do have to wonder sometimes about football. Did you see the video that went round went viral of Mbappe during the week? It was like, look at this Mbappe movement, and <laughs> just just sort of zoomed in on him. Mbappe doesn't even get the ball at the end of this bit of movement. Somebody uh, somebody plays the ball from over the top, but terrible marking because for a start, somebody just followed him into centre midfield. It, it just left that big gap in defence that he's going to run into. Mbappe shifted to the left, shifted to the right, shifted to the left, and then runs. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I just assume that every footballer does this. Like that, That's not mad stuff, is it? He hasn't revolutionised how to move. And in this case, Emmanuel Dennis has just gone from A to B. And it's caught Ashley Young out and it's headed into an empty net. And of course, like Luca Dinia didn't help Ashley Young, but you know, it seemed very simple for Young to defend. Just get in front of your man. I feel like Matt Cash might have been in front of his man. <laughs> and just on the Mbappe thing quickly, I mean, that's just some knots trying to seem clever on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> Mbappe just danced in between two Real Madrid players and not made the keeper. That's the thing to celebrate. Not some moron following Kylian Mbappe out of space and leaving 60 yards of space in behind him. That's just moronic. That's not a video of Mbappe's good movement. That's a not winning the ball at the end of it. Exactly. That's a video you show young children of how not to defend. But anyway, for the Villa goal, you haven't gone back far enough. I mean, th- this all starts with Callum Chambers doing his best Harry Maguire impression, following the centre forward into his own half and then turning like the Queen Elizabeth cruise ship and running back like fucking Queen Lizzie herself. It was pathetic. And he, and then for some reason, I mean, he's got loads of time to think here because it's taken him fucking long enough to get back. He runs past Tyrone Mings to the front post and now your two centre halves are on the wrong sides. And that absolutely baffles them for some reason. And Chambers goes way past the front post and never looks behind him. Like the rest of the box and everyone else in it is of no concern to Callum Chambers anymore. Look, like the ball's over here, you see. You can, why would he need to look at the rest of the fucking pitch? <laughs> and then Mings follows King in for a fucking conga dance with Chambers. And now we have a 37-year-old converted winger, Ashley Young, marking <laughs> Watford's best player at the back post. Guess what happens next? <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe maybe there was uh, more than just Ashley Young and Luca Dinia to blame. Once again, our entire defence is to blame. There, do you feel better about it? No, I don't. 
Um, and that was the winning of the game, really. Like we're, we're going to talk about some of Villa's non chances coming up <laughs> later on. But I, I did see people talking about like, yeah, Villa had a really good first half, and it's like they didn't. They had a bit of the ball. Like, we're, we'll get into how many times you actually open Watford up, but Watford, and we're going to go into that in more detail. Watford opened Villa up a hell of a lot more, and it never ever took too much. It just took. Douglas Ruiz giving the ball away or Callum Chambers following someone out of position or, you know, like, that, like that's all it was or actually young falling asleep or, yeah, it was just a, a series of, ah, uh, look, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know how many more adjectives, like, we're running out of ways to describe these terrible Aston Villa performances. Maybe we should just go to WhatsApp. <laughs> just... <laughs> See you there. What's up, Winges? Let's go! Um, yeah, week's wages docked for John McGinn. New finding system, shooting from 40 yards. Um, <laughs> this man, like John McGinn, just on him. Like He's forgotten how to, to move on the ball. I, I don't know why he's gotten into this habit. We complained about him being too deep over and over and over, actually over the last few weeks. But part of the reason why he's too deep is that he's just, when he receives the ball, he's just standing over it, waiting to scoop it onto somebody else who's not as good as him like move <laughs> the ball draw a defender pass it like yeah like chip it every so often as well but like as soon as you stop moving on the ball you've just disabled yourself like, that's exactly like, tom cleverly is marking you just run by him <laughs> if i was marking john mcginn i would be fucking delighted to see him stop dead statically on the ball what where has this come from? His game is all action. That's John McGinn. Run back like a terrier. Get the ball back. Run forward. Draw players. Be an attacking threat. Don't think, where has like a quarterback is too kind? Where has this come from that he wants to just stand there picking passes to his fullbacks? Yeah, and, and like that would be that would be more forgivable as well if he was doing it in any way decently. But John McGinn was terrible today. I mean, he should have been sent off twice in the first half for four yellow card fouls, and his tackling <laughs> was all over the place. His passing was a mess. And whenever Ming's Chambers or Dougie were on the ball, McGinn looked like he was marking somebody, like picking up a Watford lad. And maybe look, maybe he's just seen these lads on the ball too often. So he's decided to pick up an opposition player because he knows we're going to be turned over in any second now. But get yourself free. Run into the space. There's space there. Yeah. Go in and get it and get on the fucking ball and make things happen. And whenever he got on the ball, he was just kicking it out of play more often than not. And that shot you're talking about, I mean, he had about 40 seconds to decide what to do there because he was desperate for a shot. Yeah. And he couldn't get the ball out of his feet, couldn't get around the Watford player. And then he just fucking has it anyway. And there's about four Watford players between him and the posts. Fucking terrible decision. He, he has it as he runs from the centre out to the left wing and then has a shot from further, like from further wider on the pitch. It's just a awful decision that you saw coming so far away. And of course, it hits off somebody like it always does. <laughs> uh, week's wages for Leon Bailey, corner off the first man. Nobody will be surprised about that. Um, let's go into the first WhatsApp point. Is Callum Chambers actually doing Douglas Louise's job? <laughs> like, there was a period there where this boy was like, like, it was annoying me a little bit, and then I was like, okay, well, actually, he is picking those passes. Like, he's he's finding Dinya, he's finding Cash, he's, he's he's like chipping the ball left to right, and I was starting to wonder what what is Douglas Louise doing here, and does Douglas Louise think he's adding anything by coming back in between 
Chambers and Mings just to just to take the ball off. Like if Chambers is doing everything that you're supposed to be doing, just piss off, and we can put a, an extra striker on the pitch. Granted, it isn't Watkins and Ings together. <laughs> but like this is the thing. I mean, Villa are obviously trying to adopt this system where Doggy drops in and receives the ball, but you have to play the game that's in front of you sometimes as well. Watford had no interest in pushing up in Villa. So the two centre-halves have to be on the halfway line dictating the game. Doggy doesn't need to be there. Doggy needs to be finding space to get on the ball in between the lines. He can't just be fucking dropping in pointlessly and letting Chambers bypass him. Now we've just got one less player up the pitch against a packed Watford team. Yeah. like, th- like that, That's what it was working out as, the whole... And then I started to wonder, like, we should just be playing Chambers. And like I know we tried to switch to that, then we'll get into that actually later on. <laughs> um, look at Dinya. Or James McLean. <laughs> well, it was fucking Matty Cash last week as well. Just <laughs> drilling balls off people's ankles. And now Luca Dinia's at it as well. Dreadful stuff. Luca Dinia did one good thing in that game where he took a volleyed cross so early. I mean, it was really inventive that it caught the Watford backline completely by surprise. Unfortunately, it caught our frontline by surprise as well. I mean, nobody was prepared for it. And it just went zipping past three players. Yeah, the only other good thing he did was just mint somebody on the halfway line when he was out of position, and I thought, yeah, like that—that's James McLean as well. Like that's—that's that's exactly what he would do. He would just mint someone instead of tackling them properly. Yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't make as much sense whenever James McLean does it because James McLean is fast and he'll get back. The fucking problem with Lukadinia is he's no pace whatsoever, and the idea of Lukadinia is great because he's—he's he's supposed to be good on the ball. He wasn't tonight. But if you can't have a fullback that high up the pitch if you can't run back, it's fucking madness. Yeah. I mean, we need to blend Cash and Dinya somehow because Cash can get forward, but he's got absolutely no quality. <laughs> and Dinya can't get back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Cash can get back. Um, but then, yeah, we get rid of Cash because we want Young on. And then Young can't get back or can't cover the back post. Or <laughs> it's like a Rubik's Cube. Um, third WhatsApp point fucking center halves racing over to get a touch on a ball before it goes out of play for our throw <laughs> so like, Tyro Mings did it 18 minutes ago the ball is going out of play just, just marshal it out for a throw and take it get it back in the play Martinez will be free sprints over and fucking hoofs it out of play like, just, like that, that's the sort of thing like we talked about people conceding unnecessary corners Last week, this stuff is just porn for centre-backs. Like, I'm out of position. I've covered from my throwback and bang, just rid it. Get rid of it. You know, not when there's 18 minutes to go and you're drawn with Watford. There has to come a point where you're now obliged to take a risk. It's not even a risk. The ball's going to go out of play. It's your throwing. But even if it is a risk, shield the ball, let it go out of play or control the ball and get it back in the play. Actually, would rather you lose it trying to keep it in play rather than give Watford a fucking throw-in deep in our half so they can come up, take 50 seconds to take it, and keep possession, push all of us back. That like That is just basic... It, it's really it's, it's relegation fodder defending. Like, you know, like you have to take the risk there. You have to control the ball. You have to be coming back out with it and push that other team back, not giving them stupid throw-ins down deep in your half. This is the one he runs across to the right wing and volleys yeah. it out of play with his right foot. Yeah, it's it's absolutely dreadful because there's the pace has come off that ball already as well. He can run around the ball and pass it back to Martinez with his left foot. But we've talked about this before with Tyrone Mings, where he just hasn't got the balance right. He's 
he's obviously been told to stop taking risks on the ball and when he's the last man to defend, put it into Rosette and then ask questions later. But you don't have to do that every time you're the last man. Sometimes you've got enough space. Sometimes there's enough time to roll it back to your goalkeeper because the Watford player is fucked and has no interest in coming up beside you. Probably because he knows you're just going to hoof it into fucking Rosette anyway. And the really confusing thing about this is it's not like... Tyrone Mings has any problem with taking a touch and then just lumping the ball out of play further up the pitch. Just do that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're actually very good at that. Just use that skill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next WhatsApp one. I think John McGinn won nine headers, thirty yards out. That just bounced down to a Watford defender. He, he, he gets up. He wins it over the center, ha- over the midfielder, whoever it is. And it goes nowhere. Like it's not really his fault. But nobody seems to be alert to this. And I always, once again, just wonder why are you even bothering going up? Like just, just get ready for the second ball. If, like if this is what's happening, you're going up and winning it. Well done. And we're just giving it away. I know you're out of position actually because you've gone up for a header. Yeah, but does he ever actually win a header? He's so bad at it. He's so bad at judging a football whenever it's off the ground. He ends up hitting it off his shoulder or off his back. He just yeah, misses yeah. the ball. Back of his head. Yeah, and that's why it only ends up going about three yards because he hasn't fucking headed the ball. Yeah. But he goes in with all this vigour and all this determination that the opposition player kind of stands back and says, what the fuck's going on here? And then whenever he goes up and wins it, this opposition defender stands and watching it going, what the fuck is going on here? What has just happened? <laughs> you would, like, like, honestly, you would, it's one of those ones, like, it's a defensive tactic in other sports, like, where you would just pretend like you're about to do something else to make the other team react and like that's what you would do with John McGinn pretend like there's a duel on for this header he's going to go up with, like you say with everything he has he's going to throw his whole body into it and he's not going to connect with it and you can just stand back and, and pick it up yeah exactly it's what you do to idiots <laughs> another shout out for uh Premier League referees as well again didn't matter Villa deserves to lose the match but um just Few, just another bad referee. That decision, don't know if you remember it, on Cash in the corner, he was attacking down the right wing and he was being fouled two or three times. And Cash ends up, you know, staying on his feet, getting around the challenge, getting the ball to the other side, and it's just blown and, and given to Watford. And nobody could believe it. And it was just a really weird decision. And that was minutes after, I don't know if you remember this either, but he was giving advantage to Jacob Ramsey, who was trying to break out, yeah. and he was being fouled by Sissoko, I think, who suddenly joined Watford. I don't know if anybody noticed that. <laughs> um, and, and he's just pulling him and pulling him, and the referee's giving him advantage, and as soon as Jacob Ramsey doesn't have the ball anymore because he's being pulled, the ref just puts his hands down and lets play on, and Watford have a big chance from him. Yeah, with two absolutely horrible decisions in a row, but who the fuck was that, man? It's like it's like it was coming up to three o'clock, and someone said Martin Atkinson hasn't arrived yet. We need a fucking ref. And this went into the gym at Bodymore Heath and dragged this lad out. What the fuck was that? A bodybuilder that just pulled off the street. Fucking mental lad. I've never seen a game of football in his life, obviously. And the only reason I noticed Moussa Sissoko was playing for Watford now was whenever he did the most Moussa Sissoko thing of all time and went galloping down the pitch, 60-yard long burst and run, got on to the end of it, and then just sliced it harmlessly <laughs> wide off the side net. <laughs> yeah, Manuel Dennis standing completely free inside as well. Anyway, let's go and hand out some awards. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. <laughs> which he accepted with one proviso. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no.
The Ronnie Rosenthal Award. I promised you no chances for Aston Villa, but let's uh, let's actually just go through how bad their openings actually were. The one that you talked about, the Luca Dinia drilled cross. That 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 was good. The ball was bouncing up awkwardly for him. He hammered it across. Ings doesn't control it, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for somebody who looks like he's always like alert, to, he's always trying to get in behind the defender in case there's a mistake. He never accidentally reacts when there is a mistake, and <laughs> and there often is. And he just like it's and he, he always is there with his hands on his head, going oh. It's like yeah, that that's what you were running for, was it not? Like why were you bothering running in behind him anyway if you weren't going to react to it anyway? Um, the worst thing about this is that it trickled, like it just trickled, sat up for cash, and even when he's just trying to pass it inside, when he's in acres of space, he still manages to drill it off at a fender's ankles. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and Watford break away <laughs> because of Villa's <laughs> best chance and Watford get a chance of their own. Yeah, look, look at the you will just have to learn that you don't try any of that fucking nonsense at Villa Park. Don't be trying anything creative now. Don't be coming up here with your big ideas of whipping the ball in early <laughs> on the volley. That's not going to fucking work out for you here, son. That's not what we're about. And especially whenever the ball's going to come to Matt Cash at the back post. Get on red alert, then you, you need to get back. And we all know you need a bit of time to get back as well. So as soon as you hit that and it's going towards Matty Cash, just start running, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're no longer required anymore. You've done your bit. Get back. <laughs> um, the only chance of the game, really, definitely the first half, was Danny Ings. Once more, not good enough. Douglas Louise finally passes forward. Like, we want our number six looking up. He does it. He finds Buendia. I'm telling you, it's easy, Dougie. Look up. Buendia and Coutinho are there. They're willing. They're desperate for the ball. No matter where they are, give it to them. Uh, Buendia slides Danny Ings right through. And, like, talk about no composure. He finished, like... An academy player with no experience, actually, except Cameron Archer would have fucking buried it. Um, like, you know, Danny Ings just looked like a young, like he didn't look like an experienced Premier League striker. Just, the way he hit that, like it was always not going on target as soon as it left his foot, hit the post, went wide, and actually, yes, it was an opening, probably would have been offside. Yeah, like it was, it was offside, definitely, but. It- you're right to say it was incredible movement of the ball and courage of passing through the lines. Like the pass from Dougie and the pass from Buendia were the only two things we did properly in the game. But they were just immediately followed by two things that were a microcosm of the performance. Just needlessly running too early when you have the defender split and then brutal quality and composure on the ball from Danny Ings. It was terrible. And then the fucking commentator crying out, like that's the chance he's been waiting for. Yeah, Is it? Like you'd you'd back him to score. Like would you? Like why would? What? what, what not, neither of those things are true. Like I said a few weeks ago, if you're a centre forward that apparently lives for being on the centre half shoulder, who thrives on through balls, and you and you can't get chances in a team with Buendia, Coutinho, Ramsey, and McGinn, then that's on you. Go get three. Like why do people keep saying that's the chance he's been waiting for? Go get a fucking chance. Like, if you're a killer, a poacher, then fucking score as well. I mean, hit the target. Like, when you get your chance, 
that you've been waiting for, apparently, that people would apparently back back you to score from, even though you've given no evidence in the last three months. I mean, it's a big fucking target. Hit it. It's eight foot by 24 foot. That, that's a 192 square feet. Hit one of them. I mean, if, if, if you don't lift your head, get back on the fucking shoulder and go again if you fucking miss that chance. I mean, I'm sick of looking at the crown of his head as he mopes around feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. Make your own look. Force the pass to come to you. Get on your toes when the ball is in the box and react to bricks. Sniff it out. This is what you're supposed to be. Commentators can't fucking stop saying it. I and it's funny, like just on that, I saw Gabby Agbonlahor. He was criticizing Buendia again, and he came out and defended himself again. And he said, like you know, I'm just just giving me opinion. His numbers aren't good enough. <laughs> the numbers aren't showing Danny Ings missing a fucking sitter. Somebody who I'm sure Gabby Agbonlahor would be riding Danny Ings because. Because he's a finisher, he's that sort of player. Like you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Igbonlahor turns a blind eye to that because that's exactly the sort of chance that he would be missing as well. Like he, <laughs> he wants 60, 70 yards. He doesn't want he doesn't want number ten just sliding him through right behind the defense under no pressure in the box, middle of the goal. Take your pick, go left, go right, go high, go low, and Ings miss outside of the post like that. Like that is a number for Buendia, but it's just not fucking counted because Ings didn't. Didn't put it away. Yeah, because Danny Ings panicked at the sight of Ben Foster closing him down. Ben's I mean, fucking... Christ Almighty, you could do anything. It's right in the middle of the goal. Yeah. Like, like I said, it was the first bit of genuine quality that we showed, and it was perfect as well. It's not like Ings had to dig it out from under his feet or anything. He was just slid through on goal, and he fucked it up. Yeah, yeah. Like, hit it at Ben Foster. Like that would have been a better. <laughs> Um, a couple more chances in the first. <laughs> you know, Coutinho tried to dink. Didn't even like it. Hank Foster ran out and picked it up. Then it didn't. It looked tasty, and then it just the wind sort of carried it to the left, and it just sat there in the box until somebody lifted it. <laughs> Cash did pull it back and find Coutinho though. In fairness to him, and then Buendia does well. He tees up Ramsey. Has a left footed shot. It's not on target really. It's a nice shot. Um, if we didn't play so bad, we might just talk about Ramsey's left foot. But um, then, yeah, I think the only other chance for Villa in that half was uh, Buendia sitting one up for Coutinho. A, a lovely ball, actually. He just floats a lovely ball to the back post, and it's a volley for Coutinho. Mm. And one of those ones, like, have it, have it. And it's just, he's got too much time. Everybody's looking at him. I, I feel sympathy for Coutinho in that situation because he's completely aired the ball he, he's got oh, a complete miss it yeah he got the touch of theo walcott's yeah um the the chip like it's an it's an incredible touch from cash to pull it out of the sky and then it's incredible movement and first touch running at full speed with fucking danny ings in his way from continue <laughs> to <laughs> like it's a really really nice soft feet to control that and then the idea behind the chip is spot on but the less said about the actual chip the better the Ramsey drive, like, yeah, it's too high. But Foster's not getting there either. This is how bad Foster is. Yeah. There's too much power on that shot for Foster. He's too late across, and it's right down the middle of his goals, but he can't get there. Sissoko actually should have scored as well. Um, and do you remember, like, that, that all started with with Douglas Louise's touch. Like, Coutinho sets Douglas Louise up at the edge of the box, and you're thinking, oh, here, like, here's a chance for redemption for Douglas Louise. Gerrard's backed him. Here he is in 10 yards of space. And he, he touched once 15 yards. And Watford, 
Watford just take the rip the ball off him and break up the pace. That's the Sissoko one that you're talking about. Just slice wide. Like that was a bigger opening than any of Villa's outside of things. Yeah, it was pathetic. And there's the the incredible save for Martin, it says as well, and the one that was hit straight at Martin is. Yeah, Josh King from close range. Like the de- definitely a bigger chance. Martin is just really well to not let that go underneath him, actually. Yeah, like if, if that goes in, it's an absolute howler. It's a Peter Enkelman award. The, but the one from Dennis, like, you know, how easy was that for Dennis to get through? I mean, he turned inside with a heavy touch. Oh, yeah. But, like, luckily for him, he was running across grass and fucking Callum Chambers was running through a pool of treacle. And then Matty Cash is so fucking gassed by the time he gets back, his brain can't tell his legs to stop running and he just goes flying past Dennis as well. <laughs> the, it's actually, unbelievable. Yeah. I, at the very start of the Rossenthal Award, I mentioned the one that Dina drilled across. That's where the Dennis chance came from. Yeah. Like, uh, Matt Cash hitting the ball off someone's ankles. Like, that, like that's how Watford broke and got through. And, uh, yeah, just far too easy for him to, to find all that space. And, and Martinez has read it so well. Like, he's, he's across. He's got two big, strong wrists on it. And, yeah, put the danger away. Like this man was here for a clean sheet, but obviously everybody else conspired against him. Yeah, yeah it's a brilliant save from Martinez. It's incredible anticipation. It's actually amazing that he was our only player that suspected that Dennis might want to chop inside here and then cut it back. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then, like you know, this this good Villa performance that everyone thought we were having, only other two chances, and I say that term very loosely. Look at your free kick went about ten yards wide, and uh, <laughs> a continue long shot that just sort of skimmed the top of the net. You know, just an, another one over the bar. I think Villa had eighteen shots. I don't remember eighteen, but only one of them were in target. So that really, yeah, really shows you just how little they actually were cutting through. Yeah, like the continue one with on the roof of the net. The only thing remarkable about that was Ben Foster yet again pretending he knew how much dip was on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the winner has to go to Danny Ings yet again how many times has he won this award Like, well the winner will actually be a Watford player but um, Watford won so let's just give this to Danny Ings yeah I'd back Danny Ings to win this award next week <laughs> the Peter Eichelman what the fuck award Matt Cash is in his own centre circle completely free and he goes back to Martinez. The crowd absolutely hate it. And then Martinez floats it out for a throw. It's like, I, well, like you said it last week, I could have done that. Matt, you could have done it. And also, you are fucking explosive. You should be taking somebody on and then passing it to somebody in space who we want to be in space. We don't want you in space. We want you drawing players. We want you getting down the touchline. But you were all on your own in the center circle and you turned around and went back to the keeper. And I don't know how many times this had it happen. To the players, but they didn't get the message. Like every time the defenders had the ball, the crowd didn't like it. And I know I've said before about Villa Park being on players' cases and they don't like it. But like this was the time to fucking suck it up. I was happy that Villa Park were on their cases because they deserved it. Yeah, like and he was rightly booed for in the first instance standing over the ball with nine Villa players in front of him. Yeah. But then to go back to Martinez under no no Watford player come towards him. And he just runs back towards him for about 10 metres and then passes it back to him. It was mad stuff. Like, everybody was up. And Cash obviously thought, we need to get set. We need to get the players into position. I don't know what game he thought he was playing in or what team he thinks he plays for. We're not getting fucking set. We have no ideas. So just get the fucking ball up there. But he decides to to roll it back to Martinez to buy a bit of time, I suppose, for the set to, to get set up. 
But obviously it didn't happen quick enough. So Martinez decides to kick it out of play to give us a few <laughs> extra seconds to get into fucking shape. Uh, second nomination, uh, under the radar, Douglas Louise special. Douglas Louise is on the right wing and like, he's got a man coming against him and he barges into him, holds him off. He's strong. He sort of left the ball just to go and barge his player off him. And then proceeds to just backheel it blindly into three yellow jerseys. And as he turns around thinking, oh shit, like, you know, I'm number six, I've given the ball away on the wing again. He trips over himself, like, as he thinks about chasing back. Like, he's just pretended like he's been tripped, falls to his knees, and watches once more another team pour through the area he should be commanding. Yeah, that's it. And he was probably probably tripped himself because that's all he ever seems to do in that position is run back and clip somebody's ankles. Only this time it was just his own. <laughs> the winner of this, though, we've just done the Rossenthal Award. And this was so bad that they didn't even get a nomination. Jacob uh, Ramsey comes powering forward. He's coming from the left to right, going through the centre, that big gallop of his. And then goes from power to elegance in the flick of a switch. You know, the best of Jacob Ramsey floats a gorgeous ball. He actually, you know, like, do not be fooled. He put Leon Bailey in behind the Watford defence and his touch puts it out for a goal kick. Like, that, <laughs> I don't care if this boy's been injured. Like, that's... Take a touch of the ball. You put through in goal. Take a touch and take a shot. Like, that, I don't... You don't need to have been playing and be sharp and... And this is this is this is another thing that's annoying me, and we'll get into it a bit more. All the media reports during the week was Leon Bailey's back. He's exciting. He's ripping it up in training. Well, if he's ripping it up in training, he should be able to take a touch of a gorgeous pass when he's right in behind the defense. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible for Ramsey, and it was exactly the drive that we needed. And then the beautiful piece of quality at the end, brilliant, brilliant from Ramsey, and then brilliant defending from Watford to leave Leon Bailey free at the back post. <laughs> Leon Bailey wins you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award take your pick um, we've talked about the same team you know, apart from Danny Ings coming in for Ollie Watkins the same team um, That that's bad and also that's probably a nomination on its own you know, not, not actually addressing the Newcastle game not sticking to the promises and the threats that he made not sending out a message that this wasn't good enough pick the same team players got the message <laughs> everything's going to be okay um <laughs> But then just uh, like I don't know what like what what sort of what 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 was the setup like it was a bit of a fuck around of the team wasn't it? Yeah, it was the shambles. We were a mess, and then the, I'm sure there'll be all our nominations for what he did afterwards. We just didn't have any cohesion. Nobody really knew what they were doing. That's what it looked like. And this thing, this is what I was saying. That's on the manager, but it's also on the players. I mean, like you can't get blood from a stone, and you can't get fucking tactical noise from this crop of morons it seems because this isn't the first time that we've seen this team look absolutely clueless and they're like you know you, you can't, you, whenever you're calling everyone else a dickhead or you think everyone else a dickhead sometimes it's just you that's a dickhead if it's every fucking week you're the dickhead and it's probably these fucking players because yeah. they just they don't have any clue what they're doing when they're out in the pitch yeah um, we're going to yeah you're right we're going to go back into what else happened later in the match when they were trying to change things but before that the the Matt Cash substitute I think this is a nomination right because I feel like this was pandering to Aston Villa fans and I don't like that in a manager I think that's weak I think if he felt like he needed to not play Matt Cash 
or he felt like he was under pressure to not play Matt Cash. I feel like he should have made that fucking decision before the game rather than waste a sub when we're chasing a match against Watford on a like-for-like right-back sub. And I thought it was a bad sub anyway. Like, you know, Matt Cash, yes, he's frustrating with his crossing. But Matt Cash has been one of our better players. And Ashley Young isn't a better right-back than Matt Cash. However frustrated we all were with Matt Cash against Newcastle. And like, if he did want to send that message, send it before the game. What's the point in taking him off in the middle of the match, really? And then wasting it. When I, when I heard Ashley Young was coming on, I thought we were just going to bring him on like like he's had an impact in the middle of the pitch. Like he's had an impact further up the pitch. But bringing him on for Matt Cash. And ultimately, it was the losing of the match. Yeah, Ashley Young, to be fair to him, has 20 years of being quality on the ball, of having a nice right foot and putting in good deliveries. And Matty Cash was getting in so often and his quality was absolutely lacking. So he wanted to change that. He, he thought he would get the same. He thought he would get Ashley Young into positions that Matty Cash was getting into. And then Ashley Young would just have the better quality on the ball. But Ashley Young's not going to get into those positions. And if he does... He's not getting back either, so it was yeah. a mad, mad decision. Ashley Young couldn't he couldn't trust his legs to get forward, and he knew that because Ashley Young's not an idiot. So Ashley Young wasn't going bursting past players and leaving Emmanuel Dennis free behind him. He was far more tentative than he needed to be. So it was never going to work out that. It was such bad reasoning from Steven Gerrard. It was like he wanted to put Matty Cash's thighs onto Ashley Young's body, but that was just never it was never going to happen. And, and and then like what it did it also like yeah it it, it hamstrung him in terms of all their options he can make it 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 made it pointless once again that he's bringing Chuck Wemmicka Sanson like what's happened to Sanson um like it was was to take take this point on further about the Watkins and Ings thing like was the right back the problem in that match like was that the big issue that we needed diagnosing I don't think it was. Yeah, but he like he tried he tried to change the system when he when he brought Watkins on for Douglas Louise. I mean, and then we moved into John so he, McGinn. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. Next nomination. Like what what was the system? We we had two up front, and then we seemingly had Buendia on the right, nobody on the left. Coutinho started playing in a number ten position. Um, Ramsey then completely nullified because how deep he was. Like what like what was like that that formation. That they once again shoehorn two strikers into the team is a nomination and probably the the winner of the Ulekland Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. Ah, yeah, that, it definitely was. I mean, he switched to a diamond, but it was the softest diamond I've ever seen. I mean, you can't have a diamond that has Buendia on the right and uh, John McKinn at the fucking base of it. I mean, <laughs> that's that's not a diamond. That's a fucking piece of jelly. Like you're just asking for trouble there. And the uh, switching to that system, having Luca Dina and Ashley Young as your fullbacks as well, it's not going to work. It, yeah. it can't work. You've got nobody out wide now, and the team just really suffered from that. It just became too congested in the middle of the pitch, and we were a shambles. Watkins and Watkins ended up having to drift out to left wing then. So the whole idea of having yeah. two centre forwards was just completely eradicated by that change of system. This is it, like a diamond is nice when you're going to dominate a game or when you're going to be on the front foot. Like Ireland actually played a diamond uh, to great effect for a while when they got into Euro 2016, and but that was predicated on they played a diamond for the 28 percent of the time they had a ball, had the ball. They played a four-five-one outside, and they were very happy to do. Like John Walters, they were lucky to have him. He played 
on the right wing to cover with his right back when they didn't have the ball for most of the game. And then when they had the ball, they had Wes Willihan who could keep the ball and they could hold on to it and play, like you know, bring all the players into it as the team set up into a diamond. But this just wasn't going to happen. And it just made me think once more, like, what? what? What was the plan? Like, yes, like you, you're going to have to make changes in games, and you're going to want to see a manager actually try to affect a match in a positive way. But this just felt like let's just get a pile of people onto the pitch, and like we'll change the right back while we're doing it. Yeah, and I actually think a diamond formation is the hardest formation to get right for for players, and everyone's you know fascinated with the idea of it because you think you've got three, you can have three you know really attacking forwards on the pitch and two attacking midfielders either side but it never works out like that it's really really difficult to get right you can't just switch to it mid-game especially if you don't ever play it the two wide players don't really know what their position is anymore the fullbacks have to be going forward already covered that fullback couldn't get forward because they're they're not dynamic enough and it just didn't work it clearly didn't work the center forwards have a tendency to get dragged out wide then whenever the fullbacks don't get forward nightmare it was a a disaster yeah and this is it like you have then jacob ramsey not only not uh impacting the game going forward you have him trying to cover at the left like just so deep and you have him having the pass played inside him for sissoko to go through and miss you have buendia you know busting his balls over on the right hand side then like trying to cover back because that's how it pans out like when we changed when we should have been really up on our game watford took more control of the match like that that was the reality of it all and um, there was a period there where I thought like Martinez is keeping us in this game at one 0 Like we're hanging on to a one 0 defeat at home to Watford. Like just, just <laughs> rinse and, and and what and how it panned out as well is that Buendia, who was one of our better players at actually creating the little chances that we had, has to come off for Leon Bailey. But when he's coming off, then you're like, yeah, like because he's like you know he's playing right wing now basically. Like who, who like it doesn't matter. He's not a big loss now to, from from what we've done with the team. Yeah, and that, whenever you put a number ten slash winger into into your centre midfield, <laughs> that's another fucking issue. But the was completely out of position, and then all of a sudden, John McGinn has to move slightly more to the right, which brings Ramsey off the left. The two centre forwards are split. Like I said, continues your main focal point now in the team. It was a fucking nightmare. It was yeah. a disaster. And bringing on Leon you know, Bailey didn't help. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> The Paul Lambert, I'm delighted with our performance. Well, I'm fed up with this shit award. <laughs> and there's only one nomination. The winner, this is a special category. Uh, it's an honorary winner for this award. The Aston Villa media presence. Just fuck off. Don't, like, don't want to see any of it this week. No, I don't want to see pictures and training. I don't want to see anybody with their thumbs up. I don't want to see smiles. I don't want anybody posting from the Twitter account saying, you know, good vibes. I don't want that interviewer who comes out and interviews Dean Smith and Steven Gerrard after matches, you know, tossing these little underarm throws to the manager, trying to make us all look forward to the next one. I don't want to hear him, especially. Like, you know, I don't want to hear him sucking up to the manager when he doesn't need to be sucked up to. I don't want any throwback videos to other shite days as an Aston Villa fan. Like, is these, <laughs> these videos that they're throwing back to you know, yeah, we might have had a win. We all know it was from the 2015-16 season. So just, <laughs> just fuck off. Like We are in the middle of another terrible run. One win in eight matches. I actually think, like, like you know I get... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I can go over the top and get a bit emotional about this, but I think Gerard needs to shut up a little bit now. Don't do any media for a week because he's talked the talk a lot. He came in and he 
yeah, he struts around, he says the right things, but he isn't walking the walk right now. He said he was going to make changes. He said we need to drastically improve. We're in a terrible run. Since Christmas, this isn't a little period anymore. Since Christmas, here's Aston Villa's record. Lost to Chelsea, lost to Brentford, lost to United, drew with United, beat Duncan Ferguson's Everton, drew with Leeds, lost to Newcastle, lost to Watford. Last six matches, Villa have lost to Brentford, Newcastle and Watford. Like, that's the reality of it all. And I don't need to see anything else from Aston Villa online. I don't need it in my life. <laughs> yeah, and we actually clung on to that victory against Everton as well, which was so fucking grim and should have been a an omen for us all that this wasn't as rosy as we thought it might have been. And like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to hear Stephen Gerrard say we need to be better. That's not good enough. Like, stop trying to sound tough like you're being tough on the players. I mean, you've lost... You've lost your ability to do that now. Whenever you said last week there was going to be changes and there was literally no changes, yeah. you, they, we, you, we, you've lost our trust now, Stevie. We can't fucking, we can't believe anything you say anymore. And I, I understand it to a certain degree because on paper that is still our best team. Ollie Watkins in for Ings, obviously, but those players could have been changed. Those players needed to be changed. John McGinn has ruts in a season that he was never taken out of by Dean Smith and now Steven Gerrard falling into the same habit as well of just continually picking him regardless of his form. Yeah. And like, you know, would would uh the young lad Eric Bunham have like it you know, would have been such a big task for him to play number six. To, like, you know, it would have been good to see. Like Watford weren't trying to do anything through that area anyway. Just Douglas Wee somehow manages to invite them through that area. Like that would have been a good a chance, a good message as well. Like we're bringing this lad in; he's been going well in training. Apparently, Gerard said, "Like what? Like talking about the trust." Gerard said he's really close. Like how much? What else needs to happen from the play? He's obviously not really close. Of what happened against Newcastle, and then what happened for sixty minutes in this match, Douglas Luiz still gets to play. Like, like this boy coming in, like, like that that might have actually pushed John McGinn further up the pitch. Like, like we're talking about, but we're never going to know because we're not taking those chances. Not saying he's the answer, but these were the sort of changes that should have been thought about more. The only nomination for the Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award to shoot how bad it was. The only thing Gerrard seemed to do from Newcastle to Watford was not letting Douglas Louise take a corner. Coutinho took them instead. <laughs> And what a call that was. That's a brave decision from the manager. Credit where it's due. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, wouldn't it be any risk in changing the team because we we played shit anyway, so that, that has proven to be true. But also, we were playing against a Watford team that hasn't scored under their manager up until yeah. today. And they should have scored four today. That is so fucking grim. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the Vimin meter going up. What? Uh, Emmy Martin has his beard. <laughs> or stubble, you know. I, I, I am like I, I like when somebody isn't playing that well and they come back with something different, a bit different. Remember Douglas Wee shaved his head, and we all fucking loved it. Or he, he went with the bleach hair as well. Um, but yeah, Martinez is good, and uh, maybe stubble deserves a bit of credit. Yeah, our our best player today was Emmy Martinez. Like I said, that is depressing beyond belief. And our second best thing about her performance was Emmy Martinez's facial hair. <laughs> Uh, the only other close nominations you're definitely not going to take the first one for going up um, I had Chambers until, until you uh, highlighted his faults for the goal and Mings um, yeah I thought they were they were both solid like they, I suppose they were never going to, have to do anything it was all going to go down the, the wings really I thought they were decent 
I, th- I thought Mings was f- Mings was fine, but we all know Mings is good whenever he's good. It's never the problem with Mings. Yeah. Uh, Callum Chambers is shite. Callum Chambers isn't going to be a good <laughs> signing for Aston Villa. He is. He's just shite. He's too slow. He's too cumbersome. I, you're right. This guy isn't beefy enough to be that slow. <laughs> you know, you have to. If you're going to be that slow and be a centre half, I want someone else. Like you need someone. You need to be bloody brilliant at something. Like, you can't be that slow and not be uh, an athletic monster. He just looks a bit. It looks a bit average, doesn't it? Yeah, but like at least Harry Maguire has to drag that head around with him. Like you know, that's his <laughs> excuse. What the fuck is Callum Chambers? Is? Yeah, and that, but this is it. Like if you put, if you toss the ball up, Harry Maguire and, and Watkins, like anybody who's great in the air holding the like Harry Maguire's winning it. In fairness to him, you know, just don't ask him to move. Really, but he's got that point of differentiation. He's 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 the best. If you toss that ball up, he will go up and win it. Yeah, worth any, worth every penny. <laughs> Um, going down uh, Douglas Louise obviously but like I want to talk about this boy because he made a foul right on the left wing when it was two on one it was him and Dinya Watford player completely stranded run out of road he was going to just kick it on down the line he was going to lose the ball Douglas Louise doesn't care like he just bars into him and look Douglas Louise gets a free pass a lot of the time because he's not a number six that's not his position doesn't need to be a number six to not barge into somebody who's completely stranded on the sideline as well. He would actually be doing that role if he was playing in his so-called best position. Like, you know, knowing that you don't have to foul someone every single fucking time, like, that's part of playing football. Like, you can actually tackle, you can jockey. So, like, I would expect anybody, never mind any footballer, never mind, never mind a specialised defensive midfielder to know that you don't, just run into somebody when they're stuck. And Douglas Louise, I don't like, you know, regardless of whether or not DM is where he's best or not, he's just like, he's just too frustrating. He's too stupid and he needs to learn this stuff wherever he's going to end up playing. Yeah, like you have to have a bit of noise whenever you're playing at this level of football. You have to know that if a player's going to kick the ball out of play, you let them kick the ball out of play. You don't clip their ankles afterwards and give the referee the chance to get on the camera again by blowing his whistle you have to have a bit of noise whenever John McGinn's going up for a header you stand back and just collect the ball afterwards and you know you have to play the man sometimes as well not the fucking game and if a guy has just lost his header and is about to boot the ball out of play let him boot it out of play you're playing Watford they're fucking shite they're, they're, they're the worst team in the league so you know don't panic let their players have the ball sometimes they'll give it back to you yeah yeah Going down, Ashley Young, going down, Leon Bailey. Um, okay, go on, t- take your pick, really, of, who, of who's going down. I don't know if it's worth yeah, mentioning like, anybody else in the team, really. I don't I don't think Leon Bailey could have played worse when he came on there. It was like, he, he was just lost. He was at sea. He was like a child fucking turning on to the spaghetti junction on a tricycle. <laughs> like, nobody knows how he got there. He doesn't know how to get off it. <laughs> Every time the ball went onto his feet, it was just an accident waiting to happen. He couldn't get the ball under control. Couldn't get his body under control. His limbs were like they were fucking made of spaghetti. Yeah. He was an absolute mess. He was all over the place. Like he, was, he was playing with all the grace and composure of a fucking contestant in the annual cheese rolling race in Coppers Hill. He was, he was a fucking joke. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did look like the ball... It looked like it was like he was playing yo-yo and the ball was just sort of 
always about 20 meters away from him a very long yo-yo string obviously but it would just look like he was trying to read it back in but he was never going to get it back in so he was trying to poke it away before it just tangled itself up and he just invariably tangled himself up like just uh it wasn't nice it wasn't a nice look whenever whenever he had the ball no it wasn't and you could see as the game wore on and Coutinho's patience wore out he, he got the ball a couple of times and Bailey was the the pass and he he thought about it like you should never be in that position like you, you should ne- you should always play the the pass that's right even if it's to the wrong player because that's just habit forming you don't want to be turning down passes just because you know yeah. somebody's shit like that's a terrible position for a number 10 to be in going down in the spirit of someone like me needing these empty gestures and you know needing people disciplined by you know intangible things really but going down Steven Gerrard's Instagram I I don't want Steven Gerrard to, to preside over what happened in Newcastle and then see him posting about Valentine's Day a couple of days later like I, I, don't, I don't need it like I get that you love your family get that it's separate I just don't need like you know maybe I should just stop following him but yeah. this is this, this goes back to the Aston Villa media presence just fuck off I don't need him I don't need him getting excited by Rangers' great results against Dortmund. Don't like absolutely do not need that. Like I said, he needs to just focus. I, I don't want to see anything from Aston Villanois this week and just see them come out with a new attitude and a new team, hopefully. I, I know the the algorithm's really strong and it sucks you in and it's really fucking nefarious in how it behaves, but I, I think you can stop following Stephen Jericho and I think you could put your phone down for me. I trust you I, I, I have so much faith in you I think you could not look at Instagram <laughs> until next week yeah well like you know speaking of algorithms you know how would we have a show if I wasn't here to tell you what like Bon the horse said on TalkSport <laughs> uh, going down yeah, Morgan Sanson's fitness levels presumably <laughs> <laughs> just not playing anything really just pointlessly uh coming along on the match day squads Gerard does not fancy him like this is the thing i don't really understand i know everybody's stock goes up whenever they're not playing but i don't understand the, the fascination with morgan sansom is it because we were told he was a bargain at 14 million we couldn't turn it down mm. is it because he's had a few nice touches whenever he's been playing morgan sansom has never played well for aston villa <laughs> Like, he just hasn't. I mean, it's an absolute myth that this lad is a good option for us. He's, he's nowhere near the quality of the team. He, he has played well for In like, flashes. You know, for 50 minute periods sometimes, and then he's. I sort of put it down to fitness. The one time he's played well for 50 minutes, the next thing he did was kick the ball straight through to an opposition centre forward, and we conceded a goal. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Well, but you say everyone's stock goes up when they're not playing. Like, I'm here to tell you that's not true, because the final person thing going down on the Vyman meter, and this is probably the most frustrating thing of today, is Amar El Ghazi's price tag. <laughs> Like, whose idea was it to put this boy out and loan? Of course the price tag was going to go down. Like, I don't care if he had to shave off four million. Get the deal done. Because it wasn't going to get any higher by sending him on loan. And, uh, like, you know, here we are today. Everton lose again. And Gordon and Iwobi are playing ahead of him. And this is an Everton who already have Richarlison in the team. And they already have Gray injured. And then these two boys come off. 
and Ali and Townsend get on ahead of him. El Gaz is there. He still ha- he still hasn't appeared forever, and he's just going to be there at Aston Villa next season with nobody to to cough up any decent money for him. Yeah, like we thought at the time, it was a really strange move for everybody. Like he was never going to get any minutes. It was never going to be a good move for him. Everton didn't have like Gray and Richarlison were the two best players all season and a dire season, so he was never going to get on to the wing for them. And then they changed their manager, a manager who changes his team every fucking 50 minutes, it seems. So he's not going to find a place. He's not going to find regular game time for Everton. It was a, it's a fucking disastrous little move. Just realizing then, like, you know, what you're saying about Frank Lampard there is sort of what I'm complaining about Steven Gerrard not doing. I want somebody to change the team every 15 minutes. I want Frank Lampard. <laughs> I retract that immediately. Um, questions we can't answer, but probably will. <sighs> Why is Lionel Messi the worst penalty kick taker of all time? <laughs> <laughs> how does that happen does he understand the objective he's 12 yards out it's Lionel Messi it's his left foot only a keeper he could put that ball I know he can we've all seen it he can put that ball anywhere he wants why doesn't he do it how does he have the moniker Pino Pessi that's what I don't understand <laughs> that's so true yeah maybe he just hates that so much that he's just actively working against it <laughs> but I think you're right how many times have you seen Messi skip past three players dancing around the edge of the box and then whip it into the top corner just just do that like, except under no pressure from closer in and with a static ball like, I have more faith of Lionel Messi scoring whenever he's standing over a free kick they're, yeah. they're more accurate they're closer to the top corner I think it's, it's insane I mean, the really weird thing about this is if you tied a string from a metre down the post and a metre across the top corner, how many times out of 10 do you think Messi could put the ball into that half square metre of space? 12. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. And just say it's 90%. If he, like, if he misses, like, the other 5% of the 10 that doesn't go in there will go into the net anyway. So yeah. it's absolutely baffling. He's not just rifling the ball in there every time. Like, I'm, I'm saying all this as if I haven't missed a five-yard penalty before in a Tuesday night recreational five-a-side league. But, you know, I'm not Lionel Messi. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's like, that, I saw people comparing his stats with the average. He's not the average bear. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is why you have to think, like, Amar Gazi has 100% from penalties. <laughs> Lionel Messi, you would expect, should have the best record from penalties. Yeah, and like his his penalty against Paris Saint Germain was absolutely dreadful. Against like it was, Real Madrid, or against Real Madrid, sorry for Paris Saint Germain, obviously. Um, like it was so, it was so bad. It was so far from the post, so lacking in power, and obviously it was going to be safe whenever he's stepping up to it. It's it's mad. The weirdest thing about Lionel Messi is like he's actually playing like and hitting penalties. Like he's turned up to a five a side game to do you a favor. Like he's playing with no. <laughs> With absolutely no conviction, he's just kind of wandering around like he really regrets his life choices. And then every once in a while, just he'll remember who he is and he'll just do something incredible just to show you, yeah, yeah, like you're lucky yeah. I'm here. And then he'll just go back into wandering around and trickling penalties into Courtois' hands. <laughs> just put six players in front of him, lie somebody down behind those players. Like Maybe it's just that this isn't a big enough challenge for him. Like Just just put those players in front of him. Maybe drag him back 10 yards out, and then he'll, he'll whip it in the top corner. Like That's obviously what he prefers. Maybe if you get a penalty, you should decide 
what you want to do. Most people will take it from 12 yards, which is the keeper to beat. Maybe Messi just wants it from 22 yards. <laughs> I think you should just start whipping it into the top corner. <laughs> uh, last one. Why does Pep Guardiola keep including the name of Joe Hart when he's listing out these Man City legends? <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed this? It's so bizarre. He, 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 like, Pep's just going, like, he's trying to go through, like, pretend like he knows the history of Man City and pretend like they've got a really rich history as well as what he's trying to do. Um, and he comes out, he talks about Bell and Summerby and Joe Hart and these people. <laughs> it's like, Joe Hart? Like, you know, number one, we can have a whole conversation about that anyway, but number two, Pep Guardiola got rid of Joe Hart for Claudio Bravo. <laughs> He thought you Hart was so useless that Claudio Bravo, the person who almost made Pep's head explode when he was trying to win the respect of the English media and be accepted in the Premier League. Like he hated that. He did hate it. Like Remember when they were just teetering along? Bravo was making mistakes. Their defence was weak. They were coming third in the league and and Pep would very sarcastically always talk about how much harder the Premier League is. And you could tell that was getting to him. Like, and he would rather have Claudio Bravo, the man who was bringing him to that brink, in instead of the legend that is you heard. Yeah, Claudio Bravo wasn't wasn't really making mistakes. The ball was just going through him. It was it was absolutely <laughs> bizarre stuff. It was like they just decided they picked a shadow instead of Joe Hart. <laughs> but like you know, the, the whole point of him saying this is is to is to say that Man City are more than ten years old. So like you know, we have many legends, Colin Bell. And then it would just have to be a list of players that have played for Pep Guardiola in the last <laughs> yeah, yeah, year. David Silva. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he has to say somebody that was there at least 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody should teach him the name of Richard Dunn, like, four-time player of the year or somebody like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, the, the best thing about it is that Joe Hart's career was over at the age of 27 for Claudio Bravo, like you say. I mean, it's madness for a goalkeeper. I mean, I think Peter Schmeichel was 28 when he was signed by Man United. And wow. When, and when Joe Hart's career was over, it was it was fucking over. I mean, it was it was a mistake every half of football he played in. Like He always had a howler in his game, but he, he often got away with it. And he always had the chewing gum and thumbs up to fall back on. Like, don't worry, kid. I know what I'm at. I know what you're fucking at as well. And it's fucking terrifying. Just catch the ball. <laughs> this is the type of thing that really exposes the bullshit that regularly emanates from Pep Guardiola's mouth as well. And just the incoherence in his thought because he's desperate to project something that he just ends up talking absolute nonsense. And maybe it's just arrogance. Maybe he's just a king troll. Like... He's used Joe Hart as evidence of Man City's heritage. In defense of Man City's history, he's used Joe Hart. Yeah. Sure, that's the type of defending Callum Chambers would be proud of. <laughs> yeah. Joe Hart, just to take it on another step, is the man who was replaced by Jordan Pickford in the England camp. <laughs> yeah. And like, you're right to make that... Uh, Link with like how early his career was over. Like Joe Hart actually has seventy five caps for England, but he hasn't played for them since he turned thirty. You know, like and this is a goalkeeper. Like again, just showed how much he was pushed and put onto a pedestal by people like Pep Guardiola, obviously. But uh, just died a death as of twenty seventeen when he went out and loan just before that to Torino 
Like that, that's where Joe Hart got to. Like, and that's hasn't improved really since. Yeah. Without knowing to Torino at the age of 28. Unbelievable. Yeah, but well done. I hope we feel better for ourselves by kicking poor Joe Hart. Aston Villa just lost to Watford. So <laughs> don't worry, Joe, if you're listening. We know we're the biggest mugs here. And uh, dear listener, I really appreciate it, but you are the biggest mug for making it this far. <laughs> <laughs> for putting yourself through it. God love you. You are a legend. I, I don't even know what Villa's next game is. This is what I'm saying. I am not going to be looking up any more Aston Villa information for a while but um, thanks a million for getting this far for listening for all the support and all the messages as well that come through do really appreciate it um, yeah hopefully better days ahead but sure look I'm not going to promise anything I won't do a Steven Gerrard on you um, <laughs> that was low wasn't it anyway <laughs> we'll be back at some stage hopefully all the best bye bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.